Welcome to the A Better Way to Farm podcast, where we share serious secrets about profitable farming. We appreciate you taking the time to join us, and we hope that you'll love the knowledge we share not only with you today, but also in future episodes. So let's get right into it. Hey guys, Rod here at A Better Way to Farm. So I think I want to start and end on the same page, actually, and I want to talk about this. First question is, why do we do soil testing? And guys, understand, I get people, they come to me and they say, well, you look at my soil test. So they send me their soil test and they want me to tell them what I would have them do. They don't have a soil test. They have a loadout sheet. They just have a sheet from some fertility dealer that says 150 pounds of 184060, 200 pounds of 0060. Boom. End of story. That's not a soil test. It's nothing more than a loadout sheet. And it's a fairly standard loadout sheet. One of my friends that used to be an agronomist for a retailer, he said they had two programs. They had a maintenance program and a build program. And depending upon how much money it looked like the farmers were going to make, which one they pushed the hardest. But it was the same program for every acre. It's not a soil test. It's just an idea. Guys, why do we soil test? I'm going to show you, in my humble opinion, the number one reason to soil test. This was sent to me unsolicited. Some friends of mine from out in Nebraska sent this to me. As you can see, this is their 2019 map on this particular field, and this is their 2020 map on exactly the same field. Guys, how do we move from this to this? That's why we soil test. Now, oftentimes I get people say, well, man, I know what they did. Here, they obviously just did a dry blow and go and didn't do any grid sampling or anything like that, and here they must have grid sampled. The reality is, this time, this was grid sampled to get this response, and it was spread on variable rate. And this was sampled in three chunks, no grids, no variable rate, no broadcast of any kind. You tell me, what do you want? So here's the deal. How are we going to move from this to this? Well, the answer is with good soil testing. So we've talked about why. I want to talk about why you want to do soil testing, especially this year. Guys, I did an earlier video and I'm getting ready to do a very long podcast on doing your fall purchase. I'll try and get that done here in the next three or four days and get it dropped. But let's let me say this. Earlier on a podcast, I talked about the fact that if you buy something or if you book something, you need to have it in there that there is absolutely no chance they're going to enforce something called force majeure. It's a French word that means screw the farmer. Because what happened was, and I did this, and some of the people were like, I don't think that ever happens. Today, I got a copy of a letter that a grower from out in Nebraska received from his retailer. And it said, due to the hurricane hitting down south and the production, our urea production plant getting shut down for a while, we are going to invoke force majeure. What that means is the price that you and I already agreed upon, we're not going to honor that. We're going to raise that price. Why? Because we can. They're saying force majeure means actually the idea is that it's factors beyond my control. They're not going to be down that long. Those plants are going to be back up and running in just a few days. But it is an opportunity to raise the price. You guys are getting a little more for your corn. You're getting a little more for your beans. Everybody wants a piece. And so consequently, we use these phrases like force majeure. That's why it's important to get your stuff bought, get it on your farm, then nobody can change your price on you. So why do we want to do a soil test now? Let me just talk a little bit about when we want to do it. I have often been told that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. 
The second best time to plant that tree is today. We would prefer that you soil test right behind the combine. Now, typically we do that because we want to get our tests in in a consistent time frame, late October, sometime in the month of November, and we can follow those trend lines. What happened here with these guys was that they took a test. The first test they took was on February the 12th of 20. So this was 2019 before they knew me. This was 2020 based off of a soil test they pulled in February. Why February? Because we didn't even get to know each other until maybe late December or January. And that was the first time we could get to it to soil test it. So they soil tested it on February the 12th of 20. And then they went and they planted and they got this result. They moved all that red to all that green. And that isn't just in yield, guys. That's also in financial terms just as well. What did they learn from their soil test? Well, first of all, when I walked into their life, my goal as I get into with anyone is it's always to make your life better. You guys know that I firmly believe everything that happens in agriculture is good for somebody. The question is who? Who is it good for? Because most of the time, the answer is not that everyone's been prioritizing the end user, the grower. We have based our whole career on this adage. The end user has to get the best deal. It's got to be the best deal for the guy growing the crop or it doesn't work and it's not sustainable. And so consequently, that predicates everything that we do. And we want to make sure that we're operating from that position. These guys went out and they pulled soil tests and I did it differently. You know, they were, they'd been grid sampling and people say, why don't you grid sample? Well, I do believe in grid sampling and for managing pH. I think it's a great idea to pull those in whatever size grids you want buy the cheapest test that you can get through Midwest Labs, look at that pH and those base saturations and say, okay, what are we going to do here? And variable rate. Why do we do that? Well, if we've got part of the field that's really low in pH and it needs three ton of lime and part of that field that's already at seven, if we spread that three ton everywhere, we screw up what's already at seven. If we only put a little bit on like we should for something at six, two, but we got some stuff over here that's five, seven, we're really hurting that. So I like that idea of managing our calcium, our pH through variable rate. But the rest of the deal is the way that we're going to move from all this red to all this green is we got to figure out how to find the limiting factor. And we have to give every plant out there equal opportunity nutrition. What do I mean by that? I mean that every plant in that field has the chance to get a hold of good, solid nutrients. Now, obviously, we believe very strongly that NP and K are important. However, we also believe that your limiting factor on the vast majority of the acres of those of you who are watching this, your limiting factor is not NPK. Oh, maybe we can fine tune some things and manage your nitrogen better. I'm working with a friend of mine, a different friend out in Nebraska, and he knows he, he's using one pound of nitrogen to grow bushel of corn. And he's talking to me about how we're going to drop that back to 0.7 pounds of nitrogen to grow a bushel of corn. And we're going to do that next year. So yeah, there are some things we can do there, but it's not his limiting factor. He's just trying to figure out how to not spend so much money. So why do we want a soil test right now? Why the moment that combine rolls, if I was you, would I pay? We've got two or three guys we can actually send to your farm if you want. They will soil test this the way that we want it. They'll get it into Midwest Labs, and we'll get these results back right away. Why right now? Well, the minute the combine goes, because the longer you wait, the more expensive things are going to get. They're talking about the fact that with our raw material structure, our micronutrients and companion ag products, the difference between the price 
today and the price March 31st could be as much as 40%. I find that appalling. We hate it. We would do anything in the world to change it. But the fact of the matter is the suppliers of our raw materials dictate what we do. Our prices are not based on a percentage of your income. Our prices are merely based on the cost of our raw materials plus operating expenses. And so consequently, even with us not going after a percentage, prices are going up. I think you guys are well aware of the fact that urea is probably twice what it was a year ago. Potash is probably twice what it was. Understanding the fact that we're seeing, you know, potassium is going to be shut down. We're not going to be able to import that from over in Europe due to our government's decision. We're seeing production plants offline due to interesting weather patterns and such. And all in all, we're just seeing prices go up. But the number one elevator of prices is the fact that they know you guys are getting more gross revenue. And a lot of the companies base their price on a percentage of your gross revenue. So I say that because I believe strongly that the earlier you get your soil test, the earlier you make your decisions, the better off that you are. So how do we do it? How did we get this response right here? We went out, we broke this field, I think, into three separate pieces, and we did it as a big figure eight. And we walked through it in a figure eight, gathering cores in three different sections to see if there's some great variability. There was actually not. It's pretty consistent all the way across. And then we came up with what we want to do. Now, before I talk about the result, or excuse me, before I talk about what we recommended to them, I want to talk about what we looked at. Now, guys, when you do a soil test through us, through Midwest Labs, right over here on this side, there's this column that got cut off when I printed this, and I don't care. Because the first thing that's important to understand is you get these results. You are not captive to us. This is the recommendations for a dry broadcast program. You decide that you're going to do it exactly the same way you did it last year, and here's your recommendations. It's not a loadout sheet. It's actual recommendations based on the fact that you want a certain yield. This was set for 240 bushel, I believe. But here's the things that are important and the things that really grab me on this soil test and the things that you guys need to be looking for. The very first thing that I go look at on every test is pH and CECs. And when I look at that pH, and this one was 7.0, we're not doing anything with that. And I looked at the CEC, and then I go and I look at the organic matter. Because that organic matter and that CEC tell me what it is that I can do safely on the seed. As long as I have an organic matter of 2% and a CEC of at least 10, we can do anything we want with our products on the seed. I am not speaking for any other company. I am just telling you the tests that we have ran we know what is seed safe. Now, it's a floating scale. 2 and 10 is the baseline. It can be, you know, 1.8 and 12, or it can be 8 and 3.0. There are some differences in there, and I can get you a copy of that if you so desire to know what is seed safe. So I look at those things to make sure we can go in the furrow. The next thing I look at is I want to go look at this boron level. Our good buddy Johnny out there at Ord, he sent me some pictures, and I appreciate him so much. It showed ears that had been had boron applied to them once, ears that had boron applied to them twice, and he didn't send me the picture of the ears that had zero boron applied to them right in the same area. And the fact of the matter is, any place they put on boron, the tip back went from this to this. And where they put it on twice, the kernels were bigger around, they were denser, they were tipped, they were filled all the way to the end. Because boron is super important, and a lot of people are not testing for it. And the people who are oftentimes are just grabbing some dry product and slinging it out there and hoping. And we have not found that to be a very effective way. 
So this recommendation here came back for boron. I'll get into the amount, but here's what I know. If your boron levels are less, if they're 0.8 or less, you are having a yield decrease due to a shortage of boron. I also look at your relationship between P1 and P2. In other words, if your P1 phosphorus is not about half of your P2 phosphorus, we've got some things that aren't working quite right. This particular test had a P1 of 7 and a P2 of 52. What does that mean? That means that they really need a good high quality starter here because they're really easily available. That stuff that becomes out, comes out really simple when it's kind of cool is not very much. It was very low. But their P2, which is an indicator of what's going to come on as it gets warmer, was 52. That's actually very high. And so consequently, we want to make sure that we're doing the right things here on how it is that we're going to get that phosphorus into that plant. I also, you'll see I circled in red the potassium and magnesium. Why did I do that? Because I want to see not on the base saturations, those are important, and I look at them, but I want to see what is that relationship between K and mag because it can be out of whack either direction, and I want to know how to fix that. In particular, this is hugely important to these guys because their parts per million of potassium are equal to or greater than their parts per million of magnesium. So what happens? You end up with a magnesium deficiency in the plant. That single thing of them making, they may have to make a spatial trip because of the way things worked out. They could not put that in with everything else. They were so loaded up in the furrow, they had to make a separate trip, and they did it just spraying magnesium. And the results are astounding. I have seen that make up to 20 bushel difference when there was a magnesium deficiency for one pint. Guys, this is really important. Now, you can be out of whack the other way. Sometimes the magnesium is, you know, 15 times greater than, you know, 15 parts mag for every one part K. Now we've got a big potassium shortage, so we got to make sure we put on a really high K starter that shoves it in there. Now, here's the crazy part. The dichotomy in this thing is their mag base saturation is 23%. That's too high. We would like that to be between 12 and 20. That's where sulfur comes in. That's where the right lime comes in. That's where making sure that that soil's draining appropriately comes in. But if you would just look at this soil test and you'd go, hey, they got very high mag levels, and hey, they've got way too much on a base saturation rate. You'd never apply mag here. That is not true. You would apply mag here because their magnesium is less than their potassium. And what that means is potassium and magnesium compete on the root for absorption sites. And the magnesium is the little brother that gets pushed away from the table. And so the K goes in, the magnesium doesn't. And you end up with that magnesium deficiency. So that's one of the things I look at. I'm looking at all of the different micronutrients and secondaries. I'm looking at sulfur, which their sulfur is nine. We want that sulfur to be a minimum, a minimum of 25 parts per million. And I would be a lot happier if it was closer to 50, but we'll start at 25. I dare say that almost every one of you should be applying your 28% at a ratio of about 8 to 2, 8 gallon of 28% to 2 gallon of 120026. And so the fact of the matter is that it does change how everything else works. That sulfur is important. I look at the zinc, the manganese, the iron, the copper, and obviously I talked about boron already because those are all important. Why copper? Copper is really important for helping to prevent disease. So we want to make sure those numbers are adequate. So we looked at all of this. We looked at the recommendations. And the cool part about our program is, yes, we give you 
what you need from a dry standpoint, if you want it. We also come back in with a recommendation for a full liquid program with us. And then we tell you if there are any additional things that you need. What did this call for? This particular test called for two gallon of 215-19-3. This test, which gave you a little bit of sulfur and P and K in the trench. We recommend sugar highly, and I'll do another video on that later and talk about why, but we have a sugar with a fulvic acid in it, and we highly recommend that product. But it talked about the fact that in this growing season, these guys needed 3.75 pints of boron. That can go on with the chemicals, it can go on with the nitrogen, it can be run through a pivot. You can put it on just about any way you want to put it on. However, it's important to understand that it cannot be replaced. This test called for 0.8, which would be 0.8 pints or 12.8 ounces of copper. It had called for in the seed trench another four pints of manganese. And then on top of that, they had to foliar feed another four pints. In other words, they needed eight pints or one gallon of archelated manganese. You're going to say, well, that's kind of expensive. Yes, it is. But the fact of the matter is, we're never going to save our way to a better yield. And the fact of the matter is, what we've got to figure out is, where can we spend $1 to get $3 or $5 back? And these micronutrients do that. The fact is, they could lay N, P, and K into this field till the end of time. But if they don't address these glaring micronutrient and secondary deficiencies that they have, they're never going to get the yields that they deserve. I've got one of my growers that's already harvesting right now, and I know based on what I heard the other day, he has already made a new personal best in his yield. And I'm super excited about that. I will not name names and I will not name numbers, but I can tell you it, that's what drives us. What excites me? Why do I love what I do? It's because I get to help people go from this to this, and they do it in a way that makes them a lot of money. If you'd be interested, you can call me and I'll do a three-way call. I got a friend up in Decorah, Iowa, and he can talk to you about what a difference our system's making on his farm and put it into dollars and cents per acre of net profit for you. We'd be happy to do that. We got guys all over the United States that we can talk to and talk to them about, you can say, hey, how does this work? What do I need to do? Guys, the other thing that didn't come up on here because it's in the footnotes on our soil test is this. You see, I wrote plus mag the bottom in red. Why is that? Because their magnesium was only equal to their potassium, which meant they had a shortage. And so they went out and they just broadcast sprayed, banded it over the row when that corn got up to get that magnesium in there. And it's going to be important to address that. Again, they had to come back with additional manganese. I talked about that too in an attempt to meet it. But the fact of the matter is this, guys, soil testing is critical. This is not the year, and I'm getting a lot of calls. You know, I talked to Brad. He's getting ready to place his order this week. I've talked to, I don't know how many people, a bunch of people on Preston's team placed orders on Friday. You know, these guys are going, right now is the best time to buy. We're getting big discounts, plus we're beating all the price increases. So consequently, it has started. Our season has started in earnest, and the fact is this. They know that they can rough in their order because these are all guys that have been with us three years. We've got trend lines. We know what they're seeing. Are we still going to soil test? Yes, we are. Do I want to encourage you to soil test? I do. I hope that either you're pulling those right behind the combine or you're hiring somebody to pull those right behind the combine. Guys, it's worth three bucks an acre to pay someone to do that to get it done in a timely fashion. 
you'll save more than that just in the savings of the products by getting them purchased in a timely manner, not waiting until later in the year. Ladies and gentlemen, I love agriculture. And I think we live in an exciting times with lots of opportunities. I also think we have a lot of challenges. And the fact of the matter is we have got to figure out how to manage and mitigate risk. Some of you watching this this year had tremendous drought. And some of you have watched this have had drought and you don't remember in your whole lifetime fighting it. And I can talk to you about our guys up in Minnesota and in the Dakotas who've been with us for a while. who can talk about when you do all these things and you do them correctly you're much more drought tolerant. You're much more drought resistant. And they talk about how their corn has hung on for 10 days or two weeks longer than everybody else. They talk about the fact that everybody else is getting zilch and they're getting 150 bushel corn. Is that great? No, it's way better than seven. And so we're excited to see the results that we get. But guys, you can't call me and say, hey, Rod, write me a recommendation. Guys, the bottom line is average recommendations get average results. We have to do the soil testing in order to know what we're going to do. There's no way to get the results that you deserve if we don't take the soil test and then write a prescription for each field. Now, I got a friend over in Illinois. He had basically three prescriptions. He broke his farms down into three different categories. And so he pre-mixed it because he farms great big. And so he wanted to have it be pretty simple. So he had one thing pre-mixed for this type, one for this, and one for this. And we broke them into those three categories. And it's working very, very well for him. I just want to encourage you, the fact of the matter is, though, we have to pull the test. Guys, soil testing has never been more important. There's absolutely no reason today to spend the money this fall or next spring to buy nutrients that you do not need. I literally look at soil tests from guys who have 50 parts per million P1, 100 parts per million P2. The recommendation should read, stop it. Don't quit. Don't do this again. And they're still being told, put on another 150 pounds of 184060. That's not in your best interest. What that's going to do is make your micronutrient deficiencies get bigger. It's going to make your plants be out of balance. It actually works against you. Guys, we're not going to bleed the soils down because I know this. The yields that you're growing today will not keep your kids in this game 20 years from now. When they take that farm over, it has got to be up to the best of our ability. But it's got to be up to what is correct, up to what is agronomically sound, up to what works best for you, up to what works best for them. And that's what we're talking about is getting a plan in place, pulling these soil tests, looking at the results, studying them, figuring out what are those limiting factors and saying, here's what we're going to do. Because the bottom line, guys, everything that we're attempting to do in our farming operations is real simple. We're wanting to move from this to this. If you'd be interested in figuring out how it is that you can go from here to here, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call, 641-919-1206. Send us a text. We would love that. Get us a message right here on the Facebook page. If you find value in what we do, we would really ask that you share our Facebook page with a friend. I would invite you to encourage you, tune in, and let's take a, give a listen to our podcast. Whatever platform you do podcasts on, you can type in A Better Way to Farm and find our podcast. We have a lot of interesting things there as well, a lot of good information. 
Guys, I love what I do. I can't wait to work with more of you. Several of you on here are guys who we're already working with, and we count that as an honor to get that opportunity. And if you're not somebody that we're working with, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us talk to you about how we can help you move to the next level. There really is a better way to farm. Guys, I hope that this is of great interest to you. I hope that we encourage you to do better, and I hope that you're having a better day. Thank you for joining us this week on the A Better Way to Farm podcast. If you found value in this episode, we would appreciate you rating us on iTunes or simply sharing with a friend. If you like this show, be sure to subscribe and tune in next time for serious secrets about profitable farming.